cyberspace we all type it some of us say it out loud three little letters lol whether you're laughing out loud or softening the blow of bad news it's so ubiquitous in the english-speaking world that it's almost become punctuation but where did it come from and does it have a strict definition well if you know anything about linguistics they already know the answers to both of those questions. Motherboard senior staff writer Shayla Love certainly does, and she's here with us today to talk about the origins of the phrase that's part of our online world. It's the subject of her new piece on Motherboard, Why We Use LOL So Much. I'm Matthew Galt. This is Cyber. Shayla, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to talk about LOL. Um, your piece is absolutely fascinating, but I, I, I have... I got to get something out of the way first, the very beginning here. Do you say, when you say it out loud, do you say LOL or do you ever say lol? I definitely say both, but I think that I tend to say LOL more than lol. But I, I think that there's like a lot of disagreement about this and I've heard both in different contexts. To me, I, I'm interested in your thoughts on this because to me, I always say LOL too. Uh, but if I do say lol, I'm trying to be mean. And like, I didn't even really think about that, like consciously in, until I was like, you know, doing the prep for this and reading your articles. Like, oh, when I say lol, I'm being a jerk. Like, and I don't know why yeah. that is, but it like has a negative connotation. Do you think that's true? Yeah. I think if I were ever to say lol, maybe it wouldn't be mean, but it would be like dripping in irony or sarcasm. Like it's never like saying LOL would be more like a lighthearted, like that's a little bit funny. Lol is like sarcasm, irony. This is not really funny. I'm trying to communicate something else. And it's such a good example of how this word has so many meanings now, depending on the context. Yeah. So what does it mean? Exactly. And maybe maybe the maybe the best way to ask this question is when it was first used, what did it mean? Yeah, so I I learned this when I was reporting this story. The there's a man called Wayne Pearson who lives in Canada, um, in Calgary, and so he claims to be the first person to have ever used LOL. And he did he typed it into a pre-internet digital chat room that was called Viewline sometime in the 80s. He doesn't have the exact time. And according to him, he uh, you know, a friend of his typed a joke into the chat room and he started laughing. It was so funny. And he was home alone and he was just laughing alone in his room and he typed in all caps LOL. And he says, you know, his friend responded like, what does that mean? And he said, laughing out loud. And it was supposed to be this gesture that like, I'm alone and we're talking, but I'm laughing by myself in my room in response to something that you said. And he was very clear that he meant it only for when you were literally laughing out loud and not even like smiling or like a little giggle or chuckle. Like you had to be what he was doing, like, ha ha, like really laughing 
boisterously alone in your room. So to him, that was a very strict definition of LOL, which then of course, like quickly had got a life of its own. Um, but that was the, you know, the, the alleged original description and how it was supposed to be used. That's so funny because now if somebody tells me something that actually makes me laugh out loud, uh, I, I, I tell, I make the distinction when I use the LOL, I'm always like IRL, LOL, or this, I'm actually laughing right now in my room or whatever I say. Right. So even, yeah, like, I say that too. Yeah. Even 20 years on, it has evolved from its original meaning, but this is, it's contested, right? Like there's no, there's no, uh, there's nowhere we can look this up. There's no record of him actually using this, right? Yeah, so there's there's no record of this first like 80s pre-internet um, LOL, but there are some other recorded instances that come very early on. One of them is from 1989, a newsletter, um, the Oxford English Dictionary. You know, this is a very official source. Their earliest LOL is from 1993, uh, and it's from an online post to somebody who walks out of a movie and says, you know, LOL, and it's paired with like these, um, you know, ha ha ha, ha ha. Um, so it's, it's clearly like it came around this time period, like the eighties or the, the early, early nineties. So can we, as best we can then now, and it's funny, we've got DJ tech wizard in the chat saying that it's, it's one of their favorite punctuations. So is it like, what part of speech is this thing exactly? Is this a word? Is it punctuation? Yeah, so the Oxford English Dictionary lists it as an interjection, which is a short word that when it's paired with a sentence describes an emotional reaction. So another example of that is like, ugh, or like U-G-H. Um, I've seen a lot of viral tweets that describe it as a punctuation marks. So like you end a sentence with it. Um, and it can be the case, I found this with myself personally, that like, almost every single one of my sentences ends in LOL and I have to like consciously remove it. Um, but one of the reasons I wrote this article is I just felt like LOL captured so much more than just an interjection or a punctuation mark. And so I spoke to some linguists who have done more recent studies on LOL and they taught me about this linguistic um, term called a pragmatic marker, which they think is a more accurate way to describe what LOL is. So basically, a pragmatic marker is a is a word that doesn't literally describe what it's referring to. So LOL doesn't describe laughing out loud, but can be used depending on context to describe the speaker's attitude or tone. And this is like a really complex linguistic tool because it doesn't refer to what the word means. It can com completely change in meaning, depend on how you use it, where in the sentence it is, um, and the like the relationship that you have between the two people that are speaking. So it's pretty amazing. Do we have, is there anything else in any language? I mean, that's a, that's maybe bigger than the remit of this episode. Is there anything else in the English language that's similar to this that has so many different meanings and changes depending on context? Yeah. So I think another example, which um, is the word well in English, W E L L. So well literally means good, or it can mean, you know, like something you pull up water from, but we generally mean, you know, you say I'm well, but in conversations, you can use well as a pragmatic marker. So I can say to you, weather's really lovely today. And you can say, well, I don't know about that. 
And your intonation and positioning of the use of, of the word well can say, I'm skeptical about that, or, um, you know, I don't really agree with that. Or it can be like a concession, like, well, okay, if you say so. So I think it's a less sophisticated example, but I think it is when it, it is a good example in the sense that we use it in ways that are not the definition and it can get across what a person means, um, just based on sort of like positioning and tone. Uh, user Jack seven also in the chat has a question that I think is a pretty good one that you touch on in the article. Um, I only ever use ha ha. They say, does that make me the weird one? Definitely not. Although, so I think this is a good example of how depending on the communities that you speak within, um, these kinds of pragmatic markers have different uses and different popularities. So, one of the linguists that I talked to, she did a study in 2020 where she looked at over 20,000 YouTube comments for their use of LOL and ha ha and ha. And she found that people do use a lot of LOL and ha ha ha, um, in, you know, in similar frequencies, but that ha 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 had a slightly more limited usage. And it was more, it was more often a reflection of like, uh, just like positive acknowledgement or like a, an expression of amusement, whereas LOL can sometimes be a bit more effective at communicating that kind of irony we were talking about earlier, the sarcasm or like the mitigation, the softening of a sentence. Um, and I think part of that might have to do with ha ha ha's just sort of um, it's it's harder to m- remove that from the idea of laughing, whereas like LOL are just letters. You're sort of one step removed from the ha ha ha. Um, but I, I do think they can be used interchangeably and a lot of it is just a reflection of like how the communities that you speak with use these, use these terms. Yes. So much is shaped by how your friend group or your group chats use it. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Do you ever use it face to face with people? Do you ever say LOL? I would, I would rarely use it face to face except with, and this is interesting, maybe like one or two of my closest friends and I think the reason for that is I just know the ways that they use LOL and I know that our usages would match up in a, in, in a way that it wouldn't miscommunicate my meaning. And so, you know, one of the examples that I give in the piece of like a usage of LOL um, is was a real text that a friend sent me where he said to me, I'm so depressed, LOL. And I thought about how that's really something you would only send to your like a pretty close friend to understand what that means when you tack on LOL to something so serious like that. And I think it's the same rationale for me in terms of thinking about using it in person. I would really want it to be someone I have a deep relationship with. Yeah. I think that's a really good example because there are so many times when, um, as someone with depression, you need to communicate that it is affecting you, but not that you're in an emergency situation. Right. Cause there's, there's definitely like different levels of dealing with that. And so like tacking that LOL on there, I think does a really good job of being like, Hey, I'm just venting and getting this out, but I'm okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think that's one of my favorite uses of LOL, the way that we use it today, which is this sort of softening, um, you know, like the vehicle for difficult emotions. And it goes both ways too. Like, when you type out language online, it's very earnest because it's very stark. Like everybody's seeing it there. There's a record. I I noticed the other day I was typing with a colleague and expressing kind of like a heartfelt sentiment to them. And I put an LOL on the end of it. And it's not that I 
that I don't mean it or I don't feel it. It just like, it, it's like, it helps with vulnerability too, because you just add on this little pragmatic marker at the end. That's sort of like, you know, I recognize that this is sort of a big thing that I'm telling you and I appreciate it, but I also want to say it at the same time, but we don't have to take it too seriously. And like, it, it it's so complex, but it's such a valuable tool. It's one of the reasons why, um, I, you know, one of the reasons I wrote this piece is I don't want people to look down on their use of LOL because it, it is it is achieving all of these really complicated, expressive techniques. Um. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's so much I want to talk about based on based on that, but I, but before I want to get a little bit more context going. Um, so one of the things that's really fascinating about the piece is you kind of chart LOL's evolution um, and how it's been argued over and has changed over the past twenty years. Can you kind of take us through that? Yeah. Um, so I I think there's been a couple of really great internet linguists who have tackled LOL over time. Uh, it's worth mentioning their names because they've got really great videos and even books and articles about this. One of them is John McWhorter. The other one is Gretchen McCulloch. She wrote a great book about internet linguistics. Um, and both of them talk about how there's been this shift, yeah, as we've been saying, that like we don't really, it doesn't really mean laugh out loud anymore. In t- instead, it's sort of this word that's used to communicate sometimes like as an empathy marker, as we were just talking about, or it's used um, for people within the same community to like assure that they know what each other is talking about or to signal connection or build relationships. Um, and so I just think that the evolution of LOL over time really shows how language evolves in ge- you know, just in general, like it can change its meaning. It can go through this sort of pragmatic shift and become just a tone indicator. Um, and people who aren't in these online communities might not really realize that. So I think just like the understanding that it has shifted and changed throughout time, but people on the outside still just see it as this kind of like kid language or like internet language, LOL. It, it, I, I just think that it's really cool to recognize the linguistic patterns within it and that there are actual linguists who have documented this history. Yeah, I also like um, the 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 older people mistaking it for lots of love. Yeah, um, that, completely that, screwing up the communication with people. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I I was just gonna say that that's a great example because um, there's an example in the piece of somebody who said, you know, just just heard that somebody passed away. LOL. And they think it means lots of love, which would be appropriate to say, but LOL is not the right place. It's not the right place to use an LOL, especially if it's like a family member or something like that. And I love that example because it shows that you can use LOL incorrectly. 
um, which is a huge part of this story of LOL. It's not just that some guy made it up in Canada and then everybody copied him. It really became a part of our lexicon. And when we use it, we create grammar around its use. And so if something has a grammar, that means that you can use LOL incorrectly. And I just find that really fascinating. Like I, I was, yeah, go ahead. I was going to, well, I was just going to ask, can you tell me more about how we, how, how, what are the incorrect uses of LOL? Yeah. So I could imagine using LOL incorrectly if you, um, you know, because of this sort of softening or mitigation uh, effect it has, if I were talking about something really serious and I didn't want to soften it, I didn't want to mitigate it. um, Adding an LOL in that context would be pretty inappropriate Or let's say I was like asking my boss for a raise. Like maybe there are some circumstances in which I would add an LOL to soften it. But a lot of times I would just be like, if you're having a serious conversation, you don't want to add that onto it. Um, And I also think because of its um, role as sort of like in community and within people who have relationships established with one another, I wouldn't necessarily like throw out an LOL uh, with like somebody new that I didn't know who wasn't in my social circle. I might try to wait and like figure out if they even know what it means or if they're going to understand the way that I use it. And I mean, just the other day I was thinking about this, like I was texting my landlord because we had an issue with our tub and cause I went through all my texts to see the last times I used LOL. And I noticed that when I was texting my landlord, I didn't use LOL once. I wasn't like, Hey, can you come fix my tub? LOL. I was like, can you come fix my tub? That was like clearly a place where LOL had had no had no positioning. Right, you almost end up in this standoff with with new people where you're waiting for them to deploy the phrase so you can understand like exactly what they mean by it. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's whenever I see an LOL. If you're emailing somebody for the first time, then you, it's sort of like the sigh of relief, like, oh, now I know that I can use LOL, and we're both on the same page, and also that they won't think. I'm like unprofessional or something for using an LOL that we're both, you know, on the same level in terms of this is we're using this to express something complex. And it doesn't just mean we're resorting to some, you know, abbreviated language that they might not approve of. Yeah. There's so much, there's so many LOLs that fly around in the motherboard Slack channel. Um, Emmanuel, uh, shout out to Emmanuel. One of our editors is always throwing it around. Right. And it's, uh, yeah, Emily, one of our other colleagues, is here in the chat, and she says it's a it's a breath of relief when someone says it. And I think that's true, right? In a work context, yeah, I think that's true. And another interesting thing about um, that study that looked at YouTube comments, uh, I think I mentioned this: it, the position of the LOL means so many different things depending on where it is, and like. Uh, she calls them the linguist who did that study. She calls the standalone LOL, which is just when LOL is by itself. It sort of means something different than when an LOL begins a sentence and then when it ends a sentence. So standalone LOL is like this nice gesture of acknowledgement, sort of neutral can be nice. Like I saw this message. I acknowledge it. I see it. Maybe I smiled a little. I think it's funny, but also it means like, I like you. Thanks for sharing this with me. I really appreciate it. Whereas when LOL ends a sentence, it has some of that mitigation softness strategy. When LOL begins a sentence, you know, it can also mean something completely different depending on what follows the sentence. So um, all of these things, when you when you encounter them in a work context, I also think it's so helpful because you realize now I can talk to my colleagues in all these different ways. Like I have a really polite way of 
they send me a link and I don't have time to type out a whole thing. Like I can say, LOL. And they know I'm not just snubbing them or what that they were on the same level about what that means to them. Right. It's a quick response. That's like better than just typing scene or something. Right. It lets you yeah, know that, or like, like I'm acknowledging that I got this message basically. Yeah. Yeah. Or what if you send something to somebody and they just said, K. Oh, let's, all right. Let's <laughs> talk about this because this has been on my mind a lot. I've got, um, I have a friend, friend now, former colleague, uh, who drives me up the wall um, because he often responds to messages with just a single K, and it feels so disrespectful, and I don't know why. See, this is, I mean, this is like, can I ask how old your friend? He's, he's, uh, he's in his mid-40s. Okay. So I don't want to be ageist, but I do think this is a representation of like how different... <laughs> Um, generations and communities use these words differently. Like if somebody sent me just a K in response, I would feel the same as you. I would be like, Oh my God, like, what are they thinking? What are they, if, but if that same person sent an LOL, do I think they're laughing? Of course not. But I, but it just communicates something completely different than the standalone K, which I have to tell my mom, like, if you send me that, I think you're mad at me. Yeah. Like, please. But like, I also was trying to tell her the other day that if she reacts to things on the iPhone and just does the thumbs up versus the heart, it's like a big difference in communication too. Like if you, if you like something, I want you to give it a heart rather than just the thumbs up. The thumbs up is like, I'm on my way and you're like, okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. There, you would, another one that is, that feels very aggressive that I don't really see anymore that I used to do until people chided me, um, is the he, H-E-H. Yeah. 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 So, uh, shout out to my, my beloved colleagues, Anna Merlin and, and Tim Marchman. I think it was in maybe a previous like work lexicon of theirs to type heh, H-E-H, cause they're the first people that I've interacted with who use that. And I, when I first encountered it, I was like, what does that mean? And now I sort of know that it is like sort of get its meaning, but I had to learn what it was based on context. Cause I had never worked with people who use that. Well, okay. Let before. me, what is their, what is their given definition of that then? I'm curious. So the way that I interpret it is it's something that's sort of like sardonic. Like it is like ironically funny. There is like this sort of like, it's not haha funny. It's not, purely like something you would want to make fun of, but it's just like this little burst of like, can you believe this is happening sort of thing? Yeah, I was, I was basically for years, I was deploying it constantly as a replacement for LOL. Um, and people told me that they thought I was being mean to them <laughs> for using it all the time. Yeah. It's uh, definitely like a more curt yeah. uh, response than LOL is. We've got another chat. A uh, chat message says that to heh, to me means this brought a smile to my face, but it's not a full on LOL. Um, which I think that that's how I was using it until people told me otherwise. <laughs> um, another another interesting piece, like so. There's one thing I think is so interesting about your piece is kind of all the different linguists have. We we think of grammar as this thing that is very set in stone, or at least I think you do when you grow up until you 
learn better. Um, but people have different theories. There's different kind of uh, ways of thinking about language. Can you tell me about Roman Jacobson and this other part of speech that I'd never heard of before that he puts LOL into? Was it Fadic? Yeah. Attic. Yeah. Attic. Um, okay. So Roman, Roman, I think it's Jacobson. Jacobson. He's, he's Russian. Russian. Maybe it's Jacobson. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he, he is a linguist who thought that there were six functions of verbal communication. So like six things that verbal commu- communication does. Um, and you can look up the, all of them. They're pretty intuitive, but one of, one of them is called having a phatic function. And that's when a language is used for social connection, even if it doesn't pass along any information. So for example, like, um, you know, LOL can, indicate that two people have the social connection with each other. It can say like, I acknowledge you. I see you. I think what you said is funny, but it doesn't provide information in terms of like, uh, it's going to rain today. Right. That's sort of like a piece of language that provides a piece of concrete information to you. It's function in a sentence is very different than that. LOL is purely there to kind of be that vehicle between the two people and have this sort of like connective tissue between them. And so I, I think that's, I think it's just like a really beautiful, because right when he came up with these functions of verbal communication, there was no LOL, there was no internet. <laughs> but I, I think it, it, it just again goes to show that like the way that language evolves and the way that we use it is so multifaceted um, and things can exist outside of the grammar that we are taught in school and taught in English class. Um, This has like, this has like real, I I think important implications outside of LOL. Like I think it's a really beautiful microcosm that a lot of people relate to, but that we can take time and stop to think about with other minoritized languages that sometimes get looked down on for being wrong or incorrect grammatically. Right. You talk about Mc, uh, McCorder, who's written about this quite a bit, uh, when it comes to African-American vernacular English, right? Um, that yeah, it's a yeah. very similar thing. There, I mean, I remember growing up in the 90s that that was a big scare campaign in schools, right? You have to talk correctly. Um, don't use, I can't remember what they called it back then, probably something we shouldn't call it now, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, Rachel Rachel Weisler is the one I spoke to at the University of Oregon, who she's a African American English scholar, and we we talked about how just like there are wrong ways to use LOL, there are incorrect ways to use African American English where you mess up the grammar, even if the grammar doesn't match up perfectly with like other grammar that we're taught in school. So these systems of language, they are not just random. They're not just like, as we said, invented by some guy in Canada and everybody just copies it. It's like this dynamic living thing that the rules are created by their use. Um, And then because we have the internet, you sort of have this accelerated evolution of grammar, which is really cool. Um, And so it just, you know, I think every generation is like, the kids are ruining language. But this is really a case of like, it's not ruined, like it's just evolving and changing. And we still have the ability to style switch depending on what context we're in. So I think a lot of people know about code switching. That would be if somebody switched from African-American English in one setting to, to use a different dialect in another. But style switching is something that everybody does, even if you don't speak a dialect, is that if I was talking to, like I said, to my landlord, I didn't use LOL. To my colleague, I would use LOL. To my mom, I might not use LOL. So we still have these stylistic switches and we adopt different grammars each time we switch. It's like, it's really cool uh, 
language wise, if you think about just our ability to do that and adhere to those grammar rules. Another aspect of this story I found really fascinating was there's this idea in online communication that um, you can't convey tone or sarcasm at all. It just doesn't work in text, right? Um, LOL Mm -hmm. kind of implies that it is possible, um, but it's dicey. But I thought it was really fascinating the way you cataloged um, the different attempts through the ages of people to impose uh, a written for a written sarcasm indicator on language. Can you talk about those? I thought this was really interesting. Yeah. And I, I think this is also amazing because, you know, LOL developed this really complex usage. Um, but that meaning it, it like it came about organically and people have tried to sort of brute force create something that would function the way LOL does now. And it just has never really taken off. Um, so in the 19th century, there was a poet who tried to create, you know, a piece of language that would communicate irony. And so it was a backwards question mark. So the idea is that you would use it kind of the way we do LOL. You would say a sentence that you put a backward question mark and he called it like a point of irony um, in French. And it just never caught on because you can't, it's sort of, it reminds me of how in Mean Girls, when she's trying to make the word fetch work and she's like, stop trying to make fetch happen. It's never going to happen. You can't just like decide something means something by yourself. If you don't have the community of speakers using it with you. So language is really it is determined on by the community that's using it. Another good example is called the Sark mark, um, which was a punctuation mark that was supposed to indicate sarcasm. And the inventors of that actually tried to patent the Sark mark um, that never took off either. I'm sure nobody's ever heard of that unless you happen to read an article about like the failed attempt of the Sark mark. Um, there, you know, there, there also is sort of the, the hyphen S that some people have used if they want to indicate sarcasm. But again, none of these are very widely used, certainly not as widely used as LOL. And I think their meaning would be a lot less clear. So it, it's sort of mysterious, right? Like why LOL not only made it through it, it, it like, got all of these new meanings. It proliferated throughout the whole world. In French, you can say LOL in French by using the letters MDR, which mean dying of laughter in French. But French people still use LOL. Like it's it's gone beyond just English speaking languages. It's in like countries where people the letters for laugh out loud don't stand for that. So it's it's pretty amazing. You can't you can't force this stuff. Why do you think we like to fight about language? Why do you think we need we have this need? And I, I did it much more when I was younger. I've cooled off as I've as I've learned more. But I was one of those guys that would get mad at you for for using words wrong when I was a teenager. I was one of those jerks. Why do you think we like to people? Why do you think people like me like to do that kind of thing? Why do we have these fights? I think because language is such a community builder and it is such a um, connective tissue between you and the people that you care about and expressing your emotions and your wants and your needs and your desires, it can feel really upsetting if people use it wrong or they use it in different ways than you. I understand that, the gut reaction to be like, that's not what it means. It means something else. And I think it just really indicates how powerful language is. One of the reasons that I love linguistics and try to write about it whenever I can is that 
I too am somebody who's felt this real emotional connection to words um, because I think also as a writer, it's just like something about expressing yourself. It's the way that we do it and the way we do it with other people. It's just a really powerful process. Um, so I, I think that that's why. And I think that like it would be disorienting to see somebody use a word that you used. Uh, it, it, so here's a good example of this. I think the emoji debates among Gen Z and millennials is a good example. Do you know about this? So yeah. Um, Z doesn't use the like crying laughing emoji. They think that's lame. Uh, then millennials were very upset when they heard that Gen Z thought that that was lame. I think this is just another really good example of like people use language differently in different communities. And then people get upset when they're like, but I was just trying to express myself. And how can you tell me that's wrong? And Gen Z's like, no, you should use the skull emoji. And, and then millennials are like, what? And <laughs> it's been, it's been fascinating to watch uh, millennials get older um, and losing touch with like the youth culture that they were so intrinsically thought to be a part of for so long. I mean, the same thing happened to baby boomers and Gen X, but it, it's, it's interesting to watch uh, the ascension of the younger generations and the kind of the faltering of millennials. Um, uh, humbling, humbling is a word. For humbling it, is a good word. <laughs> um, also on language fights, got a comment here in chat that I also think is pretty good. Uh, it can display status in society. Using a word wrong can indicate a lower status. And there are people that are going to like police uh, status in certain societies. And I think that that was probably true for me in the areas that I grew up in. Uh, I was in a place where like social status was pretty important. Um, and I may have internalized that without really thinking about it when I was a kid. Um, so I think that's true too, right? Yeah, I think that's totally true. And I think that's why, um, you know, the linguist, uh, Rachel in the piece, when she talks about respecting all kinds of grammar and how LOL can sort of be a door to understanding that concept that like all grammar is valid. Um, I think that's why it's important too. It's again, because people, the fact that people have to code switch and they feel like they can't speak different dialects in certain professional contexts. Otherwise people will think yep. they're stupid or they're unprofessional. Like that's horrific. And it's something that it, it, it leads to then this like policing of language, um, which is really unfortunate because I think all these different grammars are so beautiful and cool. Do you think LOL is ever going to go out of style? Is it ever going to go the way of the crying emoji? I, I don't think it will. And the linguists back me, backed me up on that. And um, you know, they, they felt like it's been so, it's so, such a part of our language now and it, it serves such a vital role that they don't think it's going to go anywhere. And th this was an interesting thing too. I asked, you know, why LOL and not a different internet acronym? Why is it this one that sort of took off? And one thing was said to me that it really mirrors the way that we use lang uh, laughter in spoken language, which is that we don't only laugh when something is funny. We laugh when things are funny, but we also laugh to soften sentences. We laugh in, you know, to acknowledge that somebody said something. There's nervous laughter. You know, there's lots of ways that we can use laughter that aren't just literally when things are funny. And because LOL originally meant laughing, it sort of adopted those same roles in in text language. And so for those reasons, they, they don't think it's going to go away. But uh, it will have competition. Like somebody mentioned before that they use ha 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 more. Um, one of the linguists that I spoke with asked her, will ha 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 ever, you know, outcompete LOL? 
And she was very interested by this question. And she was like, I think I'm going to start a research project on this very question because I'm very curious about it. Or right, like, will emojis completely overtake LOL? That's another interesting question. My immediate answer would be probably no, because it takes a bit more effort to pull up an emoji than to type LOL. But maybe our keyboards of the future will just be like, you'll have the emoji button right there. And then it will be easier to just push it. So I think it's, I think it's here to stay for now. But this is the way language is like it will always evolve. It always changes. I think, yeah, I think that it might become more part of our spoken language uh, in the future. Like we were like saying lol or saying lol, um, just like turning into a verbal word. And then it's like gone full circle. Like was it a text word referencing a spoken thing? And then it becomes a spoken word again. Um, but that's just a hypothesis. But I think that could be that could be fun in the future if we said it more. How else do you think the internet is changing the development of language? I think it's making some of these um, evolutions faster, certainly. Um, And I also think that the ability for people to connect in smaller communities or like communities of shared interests and really fuel that evolution makes more specialized forms of grammar or word usage possible. I feel like, like the internet is sort of like, you know, when, when species evolve, they evolve in really fun and weird and wild ways if it's on, on an island, right. right? That's why the Galapagos Islands and, like, why Australia has such weird animals. That's sort of like the internet, right? You can go and insert yourself into these little pockets that are just these evolutionarily ripe ecosystems to develop language use in really cool ways. Um, and so I think with that comes, like, uh, an importance for recognizing that other people have grammar, you know, as you're saying, being open and accepting to the way other people use grammar. But yeah, I think it speeds it up in, in a cool and interesting way. Yeah. All of our, uh, all of our equilibrium has been punctuated, I think by the internet. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the case. Shayla love. Thank you so much for coming on to cyber. I'm going to queue up the music. Thank you so much for coming on to Cyber and walking us through this. Her piece on Motherboard is why we use LOL so much. Chat, thank you for hanging out. Uh, If you missed the beginning of this, you can go back and watch it here in just a minute. It'll also be available as a podcast very shortly. Everywhere fine pods are casted. And we will be back again next week for two more episodes of Cyber. You guys drop by to hang out again. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.